What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, March 29th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What a Day. Where our policy is, if you disagree with anything we say on the show, you are allowed to slap Gideon. Yes, I agreed to this policy long ago before I had learned to read everything that's in a contract, but I am a man of my word. Love it. On today's show, officials decide the fate of a public health order used to send away migrants at the border, plus some of the worst takes we saw from the infamous slap at the Oscars. But first, some updates on the January 6th investigation, which, believe it or not, is still ongoing. First, according to multiple reports, the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection is soon going to seek an interview with the spouse of a Supreme Court justice. And no, it is not Joanna Breyer. Gideon, what more did we find out here? Yeah, Joanna is off the hook for now, as far as we know. Uh, so the committee is reportedly looking to interview Virginia or Ginny Thomas, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife. The reason, I think, uh, will be pretty clear, as we had discussed before on here, uh, Ginny Thomas was lobbying former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to pursue a plan to overturn the 2020 presidential election, sending around 29 texts on the subject, in fact. There have been some subsequent calls for Justice Thomas to recuse himself from any cases pertaining to the election at bare minimum, seeing as his household shared shall we say, biased viewpoints here. I would say biased viewpoints. That seems fair. <laughs> so following this path that Jenny Thomas gives the panel some additional options, what are those? Yeah, so they could, for example, call other people with whom Thomas was communicating and or subpoena the records from the conservative group that she is on that advanced the Stop the Seal movement. That group is called CMP Action. One other interesting detail that the New York Times pointed out, the panel could ask about the so-called quote-unquote best friend that Thomas referred to in one of the texts to Meadows, there is quite a bit of speculation that could potentially be her husband. There was also a little bit of news on Trump himself here. Is that right? So can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So there was a civil case regarding January 6th, not a criminal case where the bar is higher. In that case, a federal judge said on Monday that Trump had, quote, more likely than not, end quote, committed a federal crime by trying to stop the certification of the election results. That statement came from a ruling that was issued by U.S. District Court Judge David Carter that addressed emails Trump and the conservative lawyer John Eastman were sending. Carter ruled that Eastman would have to turn over more than 100 of these emails to the House committee. So the ruling, of course, does not mean that Trump will, in fact, be charged with a crime. But observers did suggest that it could increase pressure on the Department of Justice's own investigation of the January 6th riot particularly if the House does end up making a criminal referral in the future. Yeah, I love that we have to have a judge tell us that he probably broke the law, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Just maybe. Uh, okay, so lastly, yesterday, two former Trump officials also faced criminal contempt referrals. So what happened there? They were referred 
for criminal contempt. Josie, the House committee unanimously voted to hold the former communications chief Dan Scavino and former trade and manufacturing director Peter Navarro in contempt for refusing to comply with committee subpoenas. Now, they both have said that executive privilege was what kept them from cooperating. Now, though, the full House will vote on whether to refer these two gentlemen to the DOJ for prosecution. We will keep everyone updated as all of that progresses. We want to turn now to an important immigration policy that might end or get extended by tomorrow. It's Title 42. The Trump administration had used the policy to block migrants at the borders from seeking asylum due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a policy the Biden administration continues to use. Gideon, what's been the criticism of this? Yeah, it, it was first implemented, like you said, two years ago in March of 2020 by the CDC. And since then, immigration officials have reportedly used this order to expel almost 2 million people, most of them at the southern border. And according to Human Rights Watch, a disproportionate number who are Black, Indigenous, or Latino. According to the advocacy group Human Rights First, there have been almost 10,000 reports of kidnapping, rape, and other attacks on people who have been sent away at the border under this policy. Yeah, there are a number of immigration advocates and lawmakers and health officials who have said that Title 42 does nothing from a public health standpoint, and they're urging the Biden administration to overturn it. And it seems like the next chance is tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, so the CDC, who first invoked this policy, has been reviewing Title 42 every 60 days. That's even as they make different calls on public health for the United States while this policy right, has been in place. Right. The next deadline is on March 30th, which is tomorrow. So to discuss Title 42 and the legal battles against it, I spoke to Carla Marisol Vargas, an immigration attorney at the Texas Civil Rights Project, and I started by asking her about the order's massive ramifications. So these are people that have tried to go the right way, quote unquote, even though there is no right way, even if you cross the border um, through an unauthorized port of entry, you still have the right under our law to ask for asylum. Mm. But it is important to note many of these folks did try, right, to present themselves at the port of entry to ask for asylum. And agents basically told them our borders closed, there's no asylum because of Title 42. And can you talk about where things stand in terms of the timeline here? So there's the CDC aspect of this, and then there's also a separate timeline in terms of where things stand in court. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So there's a lot of question right now as to whether or not the CDC is going to renew the Title 42 order as applied to adults and to families, because very recently, as a result of one of the many lawsuits that are going on, um, the CDC just recently canceled the Title 42 order as applied to unaccompanied children. Mm. And so as of March 12th, Um, So children, unaccompanied children, meaning children who arrive at our borders um, without a legal guardian or parent, cannot be expelled. Expulsion being a technical word, these removals that are happening under Title 42 are not deportations. Deportation is a legal process. Um, You know, however fraught with problems it may be, it is a legal process that is codified in our legal system. A Title 42 removal is called an expulsion because it's something Mm -hmm. that's happening completely outside of our immigration legal scheme. And then uh, parallel to that, we also have litigation. We have, you know, two main cases right now. The first is called Wisha Wisha v. Mallorcas, and that is the case that is challenging the application of Title 42 as applied to families. That case had a recent win in March 
Where we're at procedurally in that case is a preliminary injunction. A preliminary injunction is basically an ask saying, hey, judge, this policy is really harmful and it's going to cause irreparable harm while we figure out whether or not it's legal, acknowledging that litigation takes a long time. Right. Why don't we put a pause on this policy, order the government to stop this policy while we decide its legality? The district court granted us a preliminary injunction, so it was a great win. But the Biden administration appealed, right? Mm -hmm. So the Biden administration was basically defending this policy, this Trump era policy in court to continue um, expelling families. But one of the main things out of that decision was the judges really called into question whether or not this policy was actually based in science, whether the public health rationale of this policy was real. The other case that was also challenging Title 42 in some way was a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas, but it was arguing the opposite to continue using Title 42. That particular case um, was filed by the state of Texas because when President Biden came into office, he exempted unaccompanied children from the CDC policy. Mm -hmm. Um, His administration did, obviously, via DHS. Um, So then the same day that the decision in the WeShe case came down that afternoon, the state of Texas then also issued their decision basically saying that the Biden administration could not exempt a population in the way that it did from Title 42. What ended up happening there was that um, the CDC then issued that order just exempting children as a whole. You know, we have yet to see how Texas may respond to that. But right now, I think, you know, the biggest thing that we're paying attention to is advocates is really the CDC's decision after its review process on March 30th. Mm. I'm curious how, if at all, Ukraine and the policies that the administration has announced about refugees from Ukraine has sort of complicated the picture here. The first thing to note is that we're acknowledging that they are refugees. And I think that's a huge win that hasn't happened when we talk about um, especially Black migrants, for example. But giving them any sort of refugee benefits, um, allowing them in via parole, which, um, you know, the administration has said they will be doing, those are great. Those are necessary, right? These are individuals that need protection. But so are all of the other individuals who are waiting and have been waiting um, in extremely dangerous situations. I think the very racist undertones of these policies are really being played out when you look at our government's approach to Ukrainian refugees versus all of the other also refugees who have been displaced from Central America, um, Black refugees who have also been displaced from countries like Haiti, from Cameroon, who's been asking for TPS for so many years. That was my conversation with Carla Marisol Vargas, an immigration attorney at the Texas Civil Rights Project. We'll keep you updated on where this goes tomorrow, but that is the latest for now. Now let's get to some headlines. Headlines. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine continue today in Turkey. And in a recent interview with Russian reporters, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that he would agree to try to have his country adopt a neutral non-nuclear status. That would mean, like Switzerland, Ukraine would not take part in future military conflicts, as well as no longer pursue being in NATO. 
Zelensky said that that could only happen if Russian troops withdraw so that Ukrainians can vote in a referendum agreeing to it. However, a senior U.S. State Department official told Reuters that it does not appear Putin is ready to compromise towards a ceasefire. And a Ukrainian intelligence official believes that Putin's ultimate goal is to seize and control the eastern part of Ukraine. These peace talks continue through tomorrow. The negotiations from March 3rd in Kyiv are also making headlines because the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that several people in attendance were possibly poisoned. That included two Ukrainian negotiators and Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich, who had been there as an intermediary. After the talks wrapped, they suffered symptoms such as red eyes and peeling skin. It wasn't clear, though, who targeted the group, but all those affected are not in grave danger at this point and are improving. Well, hmm. Casual poisoning today. Mm -hmm. On Monday, China put half of Shanghai on lockdown in an effort to contain a growing COVID outbreak in the city. Shanghai officials announced the move on Sunday night despite repeatedly saying that they would not impose more restrictive measures on its residents. The lockdown is considered China's biggest since 2020 when the country shut down Wuhan, the city where the virus was first discovered. There will be two phases. One half of Shanghai will be on lockdown until Friday, after which the other half will start its own stretch for five days. During the lockdowns, non-essential offices and business must close and public transport will be suspended while officials conduct mass COVID testing. The drastic measure comes amid record high case counts throughout China as it clings to its zero tolerance approach to containing the virus. But experts worry that the Shanghai lockdown will further interrupt the global supply chain and slow the country's economic growth. It never ends. Truly never ends. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the infamous Don't Say Gay bill into law yesterday, which bans discussions of gender and sexuality in classrooms between kindergarten and third grade. The move was met with immediate backlash from LGBTQ plus activists and allies who have been fighting the measure ever since it was introduced in the state legislature. Among the organizations that spoke out against the governor yesterday was the Trevor Project, a nonprofit dedicated to preventing suicide among LGBTQ plus youth. CEO Amit Paley said of Monday's signing, quote, LGBTQ youth in Florida deserve better. They deserve to see their history, their families, and themselves reflected in the classroom. Disney, the company that faced controversy for its donations to every single sponsor and co-sponsor of the bill, also spoke out against DeSantis on Monday in a thoroughly magical attempt to make us forget their inaction and impartiality as the bill moved through Florida's state legislature. The company wrote a statement condemning the governor and vowing to help get the law repealed. It said, quote, we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working to achieve that. But as of right now, the law will officially go into effect in July. I was searching for we need to talk about Disney in the like we need to talk about Bruno mm. intonation, but it, it just wasn't there. It was like 70 percent of the way there and it just wasn't 100 percent. In news about big numbers the human mind can't fathom, the White House announced its $5.8 trillion budget yesterday, reflecting the Biden administration's spending priorities for the coming fiscal year. As promised, the proposed budget includes a minimum income tax of 20% for families worth over $100 million, plus a corporate tax increase, and it would reduce the national deficit by about $1 trillion over 10 years. Here are a few other big takeaways from Biden's plan, which still has to be debated and improved in Congress. It is light on Build Back Better content, with Biden's signature domestic policy plan shrunk down to just one line of the 157-page document, Oof. reflecting the uncertain future of that spending package. Elements of that plan are sprinkled throughout Biden's budget, however, including $44.9 billion for climate spending. However, all of that pales in comparison to the $813 billion 
Biden wants for national defense. Here's Biden on that point. And this will be among the largest investments in our national security in history. Some people don't like the increase, but we're in a different world today. America is more prosperous, more successful, and more just when it is more secure. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of security and how much our country loves spending money on it, and I put security in quotes, <laughs> Biden's budget allocates $30 billion for police funding compared to $380 million for criminal justice reform. Those numbers are the same, right? Yeah. Was there anything recent that would have changed the approach <laughs> here at all? I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. know. I kept hearing that we were defunding the police. So I'm confused because it seems like we're still funding the police as we have been every single budgetary season for, what, four decades minimum? At minimum, yeah. We love giving uh, everybody that is around guns access to them as well as more money. That's the two (laughs) commonalities, I guess. And those are the headlines. We will be back with our coverage of TV's biggest slap since NBC's The Slap in 2015 during Sunday night's broadcast of the Oscars. But first, here are some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home, because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say, I did not know clothes could be, this is, I'm being dead honest, I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Bure. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft so good. on the skin. I, I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What A Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? 
therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. It's Tuesday, Wad Squad, and today we're talking about a moment that made us want to go back in time and beg Al Gore not to invent the internet. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock hard in the middle of Sunday night's broadcast Ooh. of the Oscars. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Wow, indeed. The moment was pretty wild. Mm-hmm. It was about as chaotic as anything I think I've ever seen on live TV. I think so. If you weren't watching, here's a quick rundown. Before he presented the best documentary Oscar, which went to Summer of Soul, Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith being in G.I. Jane 2. Jada has hair loss from alopecia, and seconds later, moving at near Hancock speeds, Will was up on the stage, slapping Chris Rock, and then back in his seat, telling Rock to keep Jada's name out of his mouth. It was... Like a dream. It was. It was like a crazy thing happening in all of our brains at the same time. The only way that I could gauge that it was reality was Lupita Nyong'o's reactions throughout it, Mm -hmm. which were on the same emotional journey that ours were collectively. Yes. And of course, as shocking as this was to watch, many would say that the worst was in fact yet to come in the form of 24 hours (laughs) and counting of screeching and barely tethered to reality discourse that played out online and in the media. So Josie... We wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw from a legal and, shall we say, criminal justice standpoint. We shall say that. As you said, the bad takes on Twitter and beyond were absolutely flying. I have to say, years on the godforsaken website of Twitter, and I think this was the biggest ratio of worst to good takes. Just terrible. Minute after minute. It was the thing that everybody saw, which means that everybody also wanted to say bad things. Yeah. We should not allow certain people to participate in big cultural events like this if they're going to talk the way they talk. Free speech. Overrated. Just kidding. Free (laughs) speech is great. But sometimes it's painful. And yesterday was one of those days. (laughs) So like you said, there were a couple of particularly problematic trends. And I wanted to advise us all to avoid playing into them. So number one is stop saying that Will Smith should be arrested and charged. I saw one person say that Will Smith should have been immediately chained to his chair, which is bananas. This lock him up language is truly out of control. So cut it out. That's a jump from he should face consequences to yeah. also they should be medieval, which I yeah, yeah, kind of confusing. Yeah, it's very Foucault, you know. Uh, look, is it a good idea to slap someone? I do not recommend it. No, it's not mm-hmm. a good idea to slap someone on national television. Not okay. Physical violence is not something I recommend, even when you are furious about your wife being insulted. But... Have you guys heard about prisons and jails lately? They're basically mazes of torture chambers that we subject people to in order to get the satisfaction of consequences. Mm -hmm. But what if we had the temerity, the audacity to imagine other consequences, to think of ways to reach some sort of resolution without involving handcuffs or a jail cell? What if we tried to figure out how to solve this conflict instead of trying to punish our way through it? Three words. Red table talk. You know what? Let's start there. (laughs) Relatedly, there's a lot of talk about how if Will Smith were poor, he would have been arrested immediately. So therefore, he should be arrested now. But I just want to remind everyone, we're not trying to make our justice system more equal by treating rich and powerful people worse, but by treating struggling, powerless people better. And it's also worth a reminder that Black men like Will Smith are already incarcerated at a disproportionately outrageous rate. So just another thing to consider before you call for the cops to pick him up. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's some of them. What other takes did you see that we should uh, try to avoid? 
Gideon, I'm begging people not to do these weird slippery slope arguments. Lots of comedians are now saying that because of this, assaults are sure to happen all the time against comedians, <laughs> a marginalized group, if you didn't know. There's also these arguments that are like, what if what had happened had been something totally different? For example, Judd Apatow said that Will Smith could have killed Chris Rock. And then there was this tweet saying that, what if Will Smith had hit Betty White mm, yeah. or Bob Saget mm-hmm. and they had hit their head and died? And this was a tweet from a real live doctor, Gideon. What happened was bad enough. Right. We don't have to take it to this worst, most extreme possible conclusion. Like, chances are this is not going to start a purge-like scenario where everyone goes after comedians. Well, now you said it, so just be careful. That's all. Well, it's true. It's true. Blame me, not Will Smith. It's unlikely to shift norms in any way because it's one moment at the Oscars between two rich, famous guys, and Will Smith, in fact, did not hit Betty White or Bob Saget, who are both (laughs) no longer living, nor did he kill or almost kill Chris Rock. So this is just a reminder to focus on what actually happened and not some bizarre, slippery slope hypotheticals. If you need those to prove your point, your point isn't great. Um, We should note as well that Smith has since apologized for the incident. Last night, he posted a statement to his Instagram describing his behavior as, quote, unacceptable and inexcusable. But before we move on from this topic, really quick, Josie, I want to put you through something horrible no. and ask you to say which of these three takes on Slapgate that I saw was the absolute worst from your personal point of view. Are you ready? I'm so ready and not ready at all at the same time. Well, that's how we live life. Um, from lawyer Sarah Spector, oh, quote, no. if only Will Smith got as upset when white men take away his right to vote. <laughs> oh my God. This one's from Peter Bogosian from the Intellectual Dark Web. Quote, if Rock had even a basic proficiency in jujitsu, he could have easily choked him out. And this last one from someone whose Twitter account is wisely anonymous. Quote, as my six-year-old said this morning, in a world full of Will Smith's, be a Zelensky. Oh, no. Okay. Nine million percent all of them. (laughs) But I am trying to decide between the first and the last. Okay, Josie. So you're deciding between, quote, if only Will Smith got as upset when white men take away his right to vote, end quote, and quote, as my six-year-old said this morning, in a world full of Will Smith's be a Zelensky, end quote. Ah, The first is a certain kind of offensive that I can't even give credence to. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with the last one because the idea of combining the Will Smith, Chris Rock scenario and the war in Ukraine is so outrageous that it has to stop today. And your six-year-old didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Whenever there's a child that's invoked, they obviously didn't say anything. Yeah, the worst iteration of the tweet is like the spin the wheel of current events and combine two things. Like uh, in a world full of... (laughs) Will Smith's be Justice Stephen Breyer? Like, what does that mean tell anything. me? What that it means? means? I don't know. Those are just zero. two guys. Those exactly. are just two guys, <laughs> right? Who happen to be in headlines at the same time? Uh, that was our recap of the fallout from Slapgate. <laughs> Al Gore, please uninvent the internet. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, forward us incriminating text sent to you by Ginny Thomas, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just enlightened slap takes, like me, what it is also a nightly newsletter. So check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and slap Gideon, Gideon if, if you, you want. want. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. No Gideons yeah. will be harmed in the making of what? <laughs> you know what? It can happen. Mm-mm. I do not condone.
What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off Duration and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.